Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 5, season 23. Happy Hump Podcast. And there, uh, I got it out, so to speak. Um, thank you for joining us so far this season. And thank you for all the nice messages we've received as well recently. And uh, we got one this morning, which I have to... I have to acknowledge because it was a lovely message and it was somebody saying thank you for all the fun and frolics that you've basically you, you've had on the podcast it sounded quite 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 kind of final um, we're not going anywhere not for a bit yeah um but um thank you um jordan for, for, for dropping us that message we are we are going to be around for a little while yet um even though i do sound slightly fatigued as you point out <laughs> but that's just life jordan that's not the podcast that's just life in general right now so there you go anyway without further ado um we, we've we've got we've got a full house so to speak so we've got our jack back hello jack hello tony looking forward to talking about rallying and not sexual cats or container sales well, that's good. That's good. I don't know what, I know you've been on a lot of podcasts recently, Jack, I've noticed. So I don't know what speciality ones you've been going on. Uh, but that's not the type of subject matter we address on this particular podcast, Jack. So if you can just focus the mind on rally and getting dirty, so to speak, or not getting dirty, probably is the best way of going with this. Um, but you are, basically, you are like water. You, you get only where water can't. You, you turn up everywhere these days on podcasts, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like the negative uh, attachment to that, but I'll take it. I'll take it. No, I, no, no. Just... Listen, obviously, the professionalism that we've taught you, <laughs> I say that very loosely, <laughs> over the last six years, because uh, it is six years now, Jack, um, that it stands you in good stead to to appear on all these other podcasts. That's all. That's all. I'm, I'm not trying to lay any kind of claim any credit. I'm just saying, obviously, we, we, we Ryan and I, and, and then obviously Trev, and you know, we, we, we we've nurtured you. I was going to say groomed, but I think that's really inappropriate. <laughs> Even nurtured just sounded a bit weird, to be honest. All right, fine. All right, I'll move on then. Uh, Ryan Champion, hello. Hello. I'm just listening to you two and, and how many incorrect statements you've probably made in the last five minutes of the fact that we don't go off topic, we're professional. We, In fact, I'm not even going to go through them all. It could make a whole podcast in itself, just reviewing that first five minutes. Well, well that's why, uh, for a change, we've got a bit of professionalism in. As, as, as our, yeah, a real, a real professional. We've got a real professional. We, we, we've got. Not that, not that Jack isn't a real professional now. Well, no, he, no, he is. is to be fair. But we've got somebody. Not only is is he a media lovey, um, also professional <laughs> co-driver, um, and 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 in the here and now, I think it's fair to say. Uh, I'm going to give him his full title, Sebastian Marshall. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Tony. Hi, guys. How you doing? We're all good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I can't call you Sebastian. Sorry, I've just never called you Sebastian. It was only the fact That's... that you come up on EWRC, as you know, as Sebastian, um, that I referred to you as that. So there you go. So yeah, back from back from sunny Portugal, fully rested. It looked like it was quite relaxing. Seb, tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a full on rally for everyone. I think whether it was uh, competing on the stages or doing what I was chasing around and uh, trying to get some interviews out of people but uh yeah feeling refreshed now and uh, looking forward to having a chat about it here well that's, that's good right before we go any further with, with with the rally and i've done a bit of stage end i think rye's done a bit of stage end i don't know whether you have jack i think you have as well haven't you jack i think you've done yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i'm gonna ask you he, he is a journalist that's what they tend to do hang out with stage ends thanks for interjecting right when, when you get to the end of some stages you might find somebody talks to you Ooh, low blow <laughs> no blow what, I'll say what, is, on, what, what on earth just happened well <laughs> Ryan Champion is, is clearly it's time of the month that was the that was a nuclear warhead aimed straight at Tony Simpson that was. it really was wasn't it 
I suppose. Although, although, although I'm just reviewing that comment because the last time you got to the end of a stage, there wasn't anybody there to no. talk to you, was there? No, we've, been, we've had that discussion. We have actually had that discussion. But I suppose, I suppose it's still nice to be in a position where I'm actually doing rallies rather than just talking about it. Yeah, fair, fair comment. Yeah, so sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Seb. We, we, I didn't mean to bring you into all this. You know, when I, I dropped you a message, you went, Seb, you fancy coming on? Didn't want you to turn into like a rally episode of Jeremy Kyle. That was never on the agenda. That was uh, never yeah, on the agenda. Mediation wasn't, wasn't part, of the, uh, part of the gig, I don't think. part of the gig, no. I don't blame you. Where I was going to go with this, Seb, because um, uh, I, I, I watched quite a lot of All Live over the weekend, so I, I was privy to quite a lot of your stage end stuff. Um, is, there, is there a sigh of relief from the driver's when it's you, and I'm not having you to have a, a slant at any of your colleagues far from it, but the fact, obviously, you're used to being in that position as opposed to not being in that position, do, do you think they open up to you a little bit more than perhaps a journalist in inverted commas? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a good point, actually, um, and obviously I'm I'm not able to see what else, what else they're being like to the other stage-end reporters on that particular day or whatever, but I do get the feeling that, yeah, they're perhaps a bit more inclined to, to talk to me because I'm, yeah, I'm a kindred spirit, you know, I've been there, I've, I've, I've experienced what they've gone through as well, so maybe I'm able to kind of prize a bit more out of them, but yeah, certainly I haven't had it too many experiences where they just give me the cold shoulder. Um, I mean, we all have one or two of them, but it's a, if they've got had a puncture or a particularly rubbish stage time, then I can understand why they don't want to talk and just leave the door closed. But yeah, generally it's, it's been quite a nice reception from, uh, from my colleagues, I guess. Good. Well, that's good. So that, 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 that's good to hear. I'm going to bring Jack in now. Um, Jack, as I say, I, I was privy to quite a lot of All Live over the weekend, probably the most I've been able to shoot in over the weekend. Um, and I really enjoyed following the story. Um, I felt like I followed the story a lot better. I, think I, I felt like there was probably about half a dozen stories, to be honest with you, on Portugal. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, um, it's tricky, isn't it, with All Live? Because you do want to sit down and watch every minute of every second of every stage of, of all the rallies and you know ideally we'd all do that and i think quite a few people do try to do that but it's it's one of the kind of complications of where rallying's going and it, it ties into the big debates we always have on this podcast about the you know the, the the various kind of how rallying's interpreted and how it you know how it remains how it grows bigger and stuff like that is how do you kind of present those stories that you kind of need to watch everything to to kind of get the entirety of the story how do you present that in a you know five ten minute highlight package it's really difficult isn't it and you know the 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 stories we see from the wrc are just so rich and so there's so much depth that it is quite sometimes quite difficult to to summarize everything in just a few minutes in a in a youtube video which is what most people who you know the people who aren't watching every minute of every stage are probably going to watch a highlight video on youtube or or something along those lines or at least you know the younger people who are coming through to 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 start watching rally and are going to do that i think so so, you know, that's not necessarily to say that young people aren't going to watch all the stages, just that, you know, I think younger people coming through now, we, we all know what uh, people are like with YouTube and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's just it's it, it, all lives are such a, a valuable asset to have, isn't it? Just to be able to to see what's going on and to see the stage ends. And, you know, just to, to your point about, you know, how drivers react at stage end, it's, it's that that in itself is a whole story of, of, of the rally is how the drivers are reacting at the end of the stage, because some of them have got quite good poker faces and you kind of get an idea of the fact that they're kind of covering up what they really feel. And some people are just like all out, you know, exactly what they feel. You can just look at their face and you know exactly what they think. Um, 
Seb Ogier is one of them, I think. I think he doesn't always, he speaks very well at stage end, but you can see on his face exactly what he's thinking, I think. And that's, uh, that's just a whole other kind of, uh, soap opera of the WRC, isn't it? Just, uh, the, the whole stage end thing is so unique because you just don't get that anywhere else in motorsport, really. No, I'm very true. Very true. Right. Um, I think we, when we spoke last week, should we, should we, should we, should we address our top three that we, that we went with last week? Should we, should we yeah, go through yeah, that? Because I'm reasonably happy with my top three. Well, to be fair, we, if, for, for the first time in, in ever, well, from what I can remember, we, we, we both had the same, um, top three. So, um, so we had, uh, Oit to win, Elvin second, and Sebastian OJ third. Which, had things played out slightly differently wouldn't have been a million miles away but obviously it ended up quite a long way out and it was uh yeah i think uh, you know the time was right for a for a tanak charge and he needed it in the in the championship and we saw it didn't we i mean he, he was on blistering form um head and shoulders faster than everybody else odds on to win and he didn't that was a bit of a surprise wasn't it really i well it it, it was and and it was funny actually because we've we, we've already done a a, a pre-record with, with with Scott Martin uh, he's come up towards the end of the podcast anyway we we recorded that yesterday it was quite interesting getting um the take from from the guys there you know I think by his own acknowledgement um they 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 kind of acknowledged the fact that they perhaps weren't the fastest but um Elvin made some very very good decisions uh, Seb yeah I think um. You've, you've got to look at the, the context of the weekend as a whole. And, you know, lunchtime on Friday, Hyundai were in an incredibly strong position with their one, two, three. Um, and, and I think we all felt, Granky, this, this actually could actually be a bit, of a bit of a slow burn of a weekend. Um, but as, as we, you know, Turkey last year was one that springs to mind where Elvin in particular played the long game. Um, wasn't always the fastest. I think he only maybe scored one fastest time in Turkey. Obviously he had a few more this, this weekend, but, it's just that consistency that's so strong with him that he's always there. Um, and yeah, it kind of, okay, we know Thierry made a mistake when he was in a good position. Oit's issue with his suspensions, nobody still quite got to the bottom of that. But the fact is, mistakes were made somewhere and Elvin was in the position to be able to capitalise upon it. And I think that's that's one of his greatest strengths, really. Um, yeah, just that ability to maintain a high pace and then turn it on when it was needed, particularly on Sunday morning, which was, was really impressive to pull away from Danny. Just before we I come away from, from, from you, Seb, something that we debated a little bit last week was regards to obviously, um, you know, going back onto gravel um, and, you know, the road sweeping effects. And, and one thing we did make reference to was, was how sodden some of the stages looked, you know, on the week or so leading up to it. Um, it, while it's never great to be first on the road, not that I've ever been first on the road, as Ryan quite candidly pointed out right at the top of the podcast, I'm hardly likely to be. But with Seb being first on the road and obviously his concerns, you were seeing the stages firsthand. You know, it didn't look from certainly from the TV coverage as if it was the, the massive disadvantage it's been in the past. I think it was absolutely slightly less than we've seen. You know, as you said, the weather leading up to the event had been particularly damp um the temperatures weren't as high so the roads weren't as dried out and so yeah sweeping maybe wasn't such as um a detriment as it was in previous years but i think you know you look at the the evolution of the times and it's still quite a significant factor um i mean for, for me 
uh, up until stage seven, I think my driver of the day on Friday was was uh, Neville. Um, the, the times he was able to do the position he was in from second on the road, which is still a fair disadvantage for me, was really impressive. Um, obviously, undid that <laughs> that on on the final state, final proper stage of the day. But I think, yeah, the no matter what, the, unless it's bucketing it down actually whilst the stage is happening or in an hour or so before, I think there's still going to be quite a big, big impact in the sweeping. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, the, the guys that are starting fifth, sixth, you know, where, where, where Tanak was on the road on Friday have got that, that big advantage. And, and he was the one that was able to make the best use of it. Um, Danny being further back too. So yeah, there, I, there's many, many factors to it. Seb, you just, you, you just mentioned it there. Um, and you said nobody's quite got to the bottom of it. I I sort of only caught what was going on halfway through and, and saw Tanak with the suspension damage. There didn't seem to be any on board of it. What was there actually an interview where he commented on it? I I didn't pick that up over the weekend. I mean, as as any driver will say, he's adamant he didn't hit anything. Um, I've seen that interview. I was just going to say there was an interview where he said there was no cuts or there was yeah. So I mean, it, yeah, it could just be. It's it's impossible to know. You know. People have watched the onboard back on on all uh, WRC Plus and you know, agreed that they can't see anything that's obvious. But I mean, it, it could just be one of those things that there's metal fatigue on a part, or who knows? Um, you, know, you probably never get to the the full bottom, you know, extent of of it, apart from the engineers within Hyde itself. So obviously, immensely frustrating for for Tanak here. You know, that the pace that he showed Saturday morning was was kind of the Tanak of old, really, which I think he, he expanded upon in his interview, um, where he said he, he finally felt like he had that fe- that sort of strong feeling he was comfortable in, in the car for the first time, basically, since he moved to Hyundai. Um, so, yeah, he'll he'll see it as a missed opportunity, but I'm sure he'll, he'll go again and, and probably be in a similar position in Sardinia. Jack, if 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 I can if I can bring you back in, one of the other stories, of course, which we, we we talked about last week, and it was kind of the ongoing story of the whole weekend, was you know Pirelli's first first time back on gravel as the control tire, and obviously the tire allocation, which was something which you know was probably I called it upside down when Scott Martin and I were talking about it. Um, you know that was that was another story within itself with you know Pirelli, you know, with all the eyes back on them on. On quite a tough rally, really. Yeah, very uh, difficult circumstances, wasn't it? But I think they've had enough testing now, and they've got into a situation where they were they were probably ready. They've got a lot of experience in in rallying in general, and I think um, you know, obviously, probably not that much experience of the current car, and it's the amount of downforce that it's producing. But you know, I think they've uh, I think they brought a, a strong tire. I think. Did, did you think the, the there was any issues with the tire? Really, it seemed like everything was okay to me. A slight <laughs> delamination issue. Yeah. Yeah. There were some fantastic bits at the uh, at the end of each stage stop line that I was at. There was always a Pirelli engineer collecting data, you know, on uh, temperatures and and you know, where and obviously making reports for themselves. And <laughs> there were a couple of points where, particularly Danny Sordo, jumped out of the car, walked around, had a look, and just kind of gave that uh, very Italian sort of gesture to the Pirelli engineers of <laughs> "Come on, what's going on?" Um, you know, there the were there was a significant amount of tyres that came to the end of the stage that for the amount of mileage they'd done that weren't in great shape to be honest um and that's that's no sort of was that but was that both compounds seb or was that just specifically the soft it seemed to be more the soft tire um and they all the drivers obviously it's the first like you mentioned before the first gravel rally on these tires um 
and that they all said how it definitely has a different sensation um, uh, of, of, of the feeling. You know, it feels a little bit like a softer sidewall, so they're moving around a bit more. And it, I think that's influenced, obviously, the setup of the car. Um, and at least, okay, there's many aspects that go into the performance for the car of the weekend. But I think that's something that Hyundai appeared to have optimised in a better way um, the, uh, to get their suspension working better with the, the, the tyre package. Um, so yeah. It's interesting you say that because it did look as if Toyota was slightly on the back foot to begin with. You already mentioned it. It was a really strong start from Hyundai. And, and actually on Saturday, once Auger had, had the road cleaning out of the way, I expected Auger to, to hunt down Sordo and be, you know, be right in the fight for, for the podium on his own merit, if you like. And, and it was just a little bit of an off-colour Saturday, I thought, from Seb. Agreed. It's not. It's not something we're used to seeing. You know, usually, you, you expect Seb to be so strong uh, when he's sort of fighting back through the field. And I think it was. I mean, this uh, demonstrated perhaps best by, like, say, he didn't close the gap on Danny, um, and there was only one difference in the road position. And he was in some ways struggling to fend off um, Taka Katsuta, which I mean, he had a phenomenal rally. Really impressive. Um, to be on Friday when I was speaking to him, he was, you know, kind of, ah, oh, you know, it's nice to be in this position, but I've got an advantage with the road order and this kind of thing. And then I said to him again on Saturday, it's like, well, he's a level playing field now. You're one car difference in the road order and you're still matching and beating Ogier. Like, you know, kind of, this is incredible. And he was, he, I mean, he's so, he downplays it all the time, but I think that was a re- it's been a real breakthrough performance for him. Speaking of breakthrough performances, I think there was, you know, we we can't say the word breakthrough performance without mentioning Gus as well. Definitely, yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've spoke to Gus since the event. Um, we had a couple of texts back and forth and just checking in and stuff as normally do. But, um, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, um, this seemed to be, I don't know, it's, it, obviously we know there's been changes in, in, in the car. That, that That's kind of a given. We know Portugal is his favourite event, um, Rye, but, you know, you've you've you've, you've got to you've got to be driving it, and you know, confidence is king, as we know. And there was clearly confidence, even you know, there was a couple of issues, which you know, I, you know, a couple of onboards with Chris Pass, and I, I seen him chip in and kind of, you know, say, right, get your focus back, get your rhythm back, and, and things like that, which is perhaps what he needed. Uh, I mean, and great to see as well. And um, I mean, we'll, we'll ask Seb this question in a minute. And he, he said there's a couple of things he's, he's worked on immediately with Chris since Chris has come in the car. But as he said, he, he was driving with confidence, even even to the point where a couple of times I saw him coming to a stage end saying he didn't feel confident and, and the car felt loose in there. And, and, you know, he was setting a third fastest time. So everybody else was feeling that. And, um, you know, we mentioned it in, in Croatia with four more but uh, particularly here it's great to see M Sport back again it's great to see M Sport with drivers that can set fast times again I mean we'll 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 talk about four more in a minute because again for his um, uh, relative lack of experience he set some strong times as well but for Gus it was it was great to see because we all know how much how much flack he's taken um, and he he looked fast he looked confident yes there was issues yes okay he, he finished fifth in the end and and you know, it was nearly five minutes off or whatever it was. But the point is, he was setting very quick times and looked very comfortable doing it. And I think that that bodes really well for um, not only for the future, but for the next rally in Sardinia for him. Very much so. Um, you were going to, sorry, you, you, you said about asking Seb there about some of the changes as well, right? 
Yeah, I just wondered, Seb, if you'd if you'd heard anything that um, that Gus has worked on, particularly with Chris since he came in the car. Um, I think there's a, there's a multitude of things really. Um, he, he didn't expand upon it too much, but he said that they'd certainly found something um, in the pre-event test with the car that was was pushing putting the car in a direction that meant that he was able to get more out of it. Um, so that that was certainly a big factor in his performance this weekend as well. Um, I think as well. Gus has acknowledged that he was over, overthinking things in the past. You know, so you mentioned confidence is key. And I think that's come with just sort of almost trying to just take a step back and just relax a bit more um, rather than overthinking, overdriving at times and, and kind of being stressed and sort of tense from that. He's just sort of taken stuff. I know he's taken sort of some elements out of his pace notes to simplify things because there's just too much information, too much going on to process. And then you just get tied up in it and then, Oh, you, it's not helping you um, to get any more speed. It's actually you know, slowing you down if anything. Um, so I know he's done a lot of work with that and it's just that kind of air of, uh, of sort of calm, I think, and, and assuredness that, that obviously Chris is able to bring to him and, and, you know, give him that, that extra boost. Um, it, it's one of these things that there is no sort of eureka moment, I don't think. Um, it's just lots of little things that he's put together with, you know, the best notes, the, the car setup. And they're not fundamental changes in any way, uh, but they all have combined. And, and yeah, it, it, it's great to see him in in such a good place. Yeah, in, when I was doing stage ends in Turkey last year, and it was almost, I felt sorry for him. He seemed lost. Um, you know, it was really downbeat. And, and we know that he's, he's capable of, of setting these, these strong times. Um, and so it's, it's really nice for, I think, for all of us to see, to see that. And, uh, and yeah, it, it makes him easier to interview as well, I've got to be honest. <laughs> That's, it's, it's a good point. Sorry, Tony, just to, just to chip in there. But um, it's a good point what you said there, Seb, about Chris can bring this calm assurance because, you know, um, it's it's not just you know obviously Elliot was doing a great job probably as a, as a co-driver but Chris has been and seen it all so he can say to Gus look you can do it you can do the job there's nothing wrong with what you're doing just carry on doing that and and Chris has been there done it seen it so it, it's not just about the co-driving is it it's just that that uh, experience he can bring and just say look you're doing fine carry on doing that completely yeah it's um it, it's that kind of Old, uh, you know, wise old head, um, and and also he, he won't take any nonsense. You know, if if he does, he's doing something wrong. He'll, he'll he'll tell him. You know, I mean, there's plenty of uh, plenty of people who uh, perhaps don't like to, to stick their head above the parapet and and shout. You know, tell the driver what to do. But I know that uh, Chris is certainly at that point where ah, you know, <laughs> yeah, if there's something not right, he'll he'll tell him. Absolutely, uh, Jack. If 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 I can bring you in, as, as as you know, we've just been talking about obviously Gus and and and, and Adrian as well. It's definitely um, it's quite timely, I suppose, with regard to you know we are a third of the way almost through the season now. We know a new car is coming, um, and it was just nice to for, for M Sport to have um, you know a good. A good news story. I know it was a tough weekend for them in some ways. You know, Gus had issues with the throttle and his punctures and, you know, Adrian had a couple of issues as well. But on the whole, it was, it, it felt good. It was a good news story. Yeah, yeah, it did feel good. And I think it's, it's particularly important because I think we're getting to the time where Malcolm's going to start thinking about next year pretty soon if he's not already. And, you know, he, 
we heard Ezebekalapi being very uh, positive about his chances and, and how he felt his performance was. And obviously one of the obvious places he could end up is, is M Sport. So for, for Gus and Adrian to put in a good performance in, in Portugal, probably just good for them, um, for their, for their confidence and also just for, for Malcolm while he's looking at next year to, to potentially give them both or, or at least one of them a, a further chance next year. So yeah, I think it's, uh, we're getting to the point now where that, that sort of thing is going to be discussed in the background. And I think, um, you know, really important for those two but yeah good, good performances and you know I think we've spoken about Gus and Adrian quite a lot recently when when I've been on the podcast anyway and you know I think Gus gets a lot of uh, a lot of stick and you know sometimes it's sometimes it's justified sometimes it isn't but you've got to treat him the same as, as everybody else and I think he's uh, I think he's done a fantastic job this weekend and you just have to uh, you just have to point to that and, and give him the, the credit for that and, and move on and you know Adrian really uh I had big question marks about how he would get on, uh, on the gravel, but did a, did a pretty good job. I think he brought the car home, didn't make any of the mistakes. You know, Croatia was really quick, but, but made that little error and didn't seem to be, um, you know, too many problems with his performance and his actual driving over the course of the, the weekend. So yeah, good performance overall, I think. Good man. Uh, Seb, uh, percentage wise out of a hundred percent, um, how many stage ends did Adrian make reference to skiing? There was at least, Two or three at stage ends, I think, wasn't there? Um, okay, so one we, in we, we could which, be in, uh, we could be in uh, the realms of sixty, seventy percent of stage endings if you make reference to skiing. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, I do love the fact that, um, especially very, very early on, Seb, and you must, you, 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 as it goes without saying, you've been kind of both sides of the fence on this, but that initial first stage end, I think, I seen with him of. You know, that, that, that wide-eyed, starry young man who's just drove a world rally car on gravel for the first time almost. I know he's obviously done testing before, but that, you know, almost like the time didn't matter, even though the time was good. There was almost like that, wow. Uh, and you must, you must have been in with lots of drivers and you've seen it firsthand, but I do love to see that at the higher end of the sport, not just on, you know, because we don't see tests, but to see that starry-eyed young man go, Wow, I've just drove a world rally car on gravel and it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've experienced it from inside the car with, uh, Kevin Abring, when, uh, and, and then obviously this year with, with Oliver Solberg as well. Both times on snow, interestingly enough. Um, but yeah, that is kind of a really incredible sensation. And it was nice to see, yeah, the end of that stage one, he was buzzing. He was absolutely, you know, eyes on stalks. That was amazing. Yeah, the way he was talking about being able to carry the speed and drift through the corner. And it's kind of, I can sort of, uh, appreciate what that's like but i think he conveyed it as well in a really nice way to the to, to the tv um i mean he, he's there's a number of drivers coming through actually that not only are they being very talented they're also really good interviews at the stop line um and they're able to get across so much of what they're actually feeling rather than a, a slightly more subdued oh yeah the stage went okay you know the, you, it's almost to have to point the co-drivers kind of hurry them up saying look you know temperatures are rising and i'm also there thinking you, you need to get a move on it you know wind up your interview um, Do you know what Seb? i'm so glad you've said that because it's something which i was thinking about a couple of weeks ago so sorry to cut across you there for a second more if i can ask you this no, no. there's been there was a period where it was almost like it was too cool for school it felt at times with drivers to speak to stage end Whereas now it's almost, you know, and listen, we always talk about the complete package. It's so much more than just driving a rally car these days. It, this, you know, this, it's, it's so many, it's so laid and multifaceted and stuff like that. 
but it's almost like it has become being able to, you know, when you know, the, 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 I suppose the example of that is, you know, Seb learning English, um, you know, when he, when Seb Ogier, when he first came through and, and, and how hard he worked at learning English very, very quickly. But it almost feels like now it's a given that, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it's that false media training either. It kind of feels like there's, the, the, that somebody's kind of sat down when you, Talk to these people. These people are your friends and they can help you. And, you know, it helps with marketing and it helps with your sponsors and things like that. So speak to them and speak to them, you know, as openly as what you can within reason. Are they conversations that kind of go on or am I just am I just starry eyed myself thinking this is all wonderful? No, I think I think you're right. There's there's a, a certain there's a sense from speaking to a lot of them that they are, they are it's genuine it's not like they, they're thinking oh i've got to you know tick certain boxes or this is just a chore um i mean for, for some of the drivers it's, it certainly doesn't come as naturally to them and they do find it more more of a challenge um they'd rather just get on the road section but but you're right um you know but people are much more aware now of of things and okay from subtle things that's been going on for a while like you know making sure you've got your your sponsor's cap on and, and this kind of thing that's obviously the the marketing push but you know we've seen the reaction that these kind of expressive drivers get i mean everyone is loving how you know oliver solberg is basically yeah he's petter mark ii without a doubt isn't it from hanging out the side of the car at the special waving and I, you know what, Seb, though? I was just about to say, I can't help but feel some of that is engineered as well. I think there's a brand building exercise it, going on, and it's in all... That sin- yeah. yeah, in that instance, probably, yes, there's an element to that. But I think, like we said, for the likes of um, Formo, you know, uh, Taka is another guy, another one who's so... They've still got that kind of youthful exuberance about them, which perhaps some of the older drivers are a bit more business-like. But um, yeah, it, it's refreshing to see, um, and I think yeah, it, it bodes well for for, for everyone really. Um, for them, it's only going to help them, and, and it kind of gets them more fans, and, and we're kind of more inclined to, to talk to them too. Absolutely. Um, if we can just, um, as ever, we, we we always hop around everywhere on this. Um, Right, I'll I'll come to you first because Jack mentioned it before, and it's 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 a story that I've I've read today as well, um, talking about that uh, M Sport did have oit very much. You know, Malcolm Wilson talking about having oit in his sights, and now, obviously, you know that wasn't to be, and oit had his own reasons for for remaining with Hyundai, which 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 I'm, I'm sure we can all appreciate. Um, that does leave M Sport with that little bit of a dilemma. Um, and, you know, it was mentioned before, again, one driver who does look head and shoulders currently in WRC2 is Lappy, and he's been there before. And I just, if, if, if there's any kind of justice, I suppose, in the world, if, 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 if you're experiencing, you've won WRC events and you are the fastest man in the rung below, there's got to be a re, there's got to be a seat for you, hasn't there? I, I had it on my notepad for any other business, but you've come straight to it, and that's that's fair enough because I think it's something that needs to be talked about. Lappy has has gone back to WRC two, and he's doing an incredible job. Um, and I just hope that it rediscovers the Esapeka Lappy who um, blazed through the junior ranks, came into a WRC car, and uh, won Finland. Um, in in that driver is a is a phenomenal talent that hasn't 
been exploited to, to the best of his abilities. Uh, for whatever reason, it, it went south at, uh, at Toyota. Um, obviously, he went to Citroen when they had a terrible car. He, he went to M Sport when the car maybe wasn't quite as strong as the, as the opposition. And you know, I think we saw times last year where his, his motivation maybe wasn't what it uh, what it should be, what it could be. Um, but I, I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, we we all know that. M Sport are unlikely to. Uh, hopefully, let's 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 hope they've got increased funding for next year. But they're unlikely to be on a budget on a par with with Toyota or, or Hyundai. I don't think that'll be uh, any surprise to anybody. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sunderland back in there. I wouldn't be surprised to see Adrian Formo in there. I wouldn't be surprised to see Gus Greensmith in there. But I would love to see Lappy back in a car, hopefully with his mojo. I mean, we've we've seen from the last two rallies that the M Sport have made strides with the car now. Obviously, brand new car next year. We expect M Sport will do their their usual fantastic job in in producing a new car. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I I I wrote that down for the same reason. I would love to see him in the team next year with a brand new car uh, that re. Um, relights his fire for the sport as WRC2 seems to have done and he goes out there and drives at the level we know he can um, I before think, I um, go, go on sorry, sorry. no I was just going to just going to go off the back of that and uh, yeah, agree and I think it almost feels like WRC2 has almost been reinvigorated a bit this year and it's like the they're all auditioning for that kind of those opportunities in, in the top class next year um, you know with having okay we, unfortunately we didn't have Mickelson in Portugal but with Mickelson Lappi Suninen obviously we know Formos back in there in Sardinia uh, Osberg you know you've got five drivers there who are all you know, WRC level caliber. Um, and it's kind of made it, I think, at least to me, more interesting to follow this year because there's a bit more, a bit more of a narrative to it. There's more kind of a stake, if you like, um, as they're all auditioning for, for that, that, those seats in the future. Seb, can I just can I just ask um, just obviously because everybody's getting ready for, for for the new car next year. We've seen test mules um, for, for 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 high and eye, and obviously for for for, for M Sport now. Um, with regards to um, the performance, has anybody spoke to you about the performance differences? I.e., you know, the new car next year is is there a drop in performance is there a drop in power you know is it nearer an r5 plus to use that lazy term which we we, we try to roll out on a regular basis is it nearer an r5 car or is it still up there with with, with a world car i think it's it's still up there with the world car is my understanding um you know it, it is it's still got the same base engine as the current world rally cars um it's certainly going to be a different a uh, different machine obviously we know they're heavier um they're back to a, a five-speed transmission there's no center diff so they're going to be driven in a different way um but i think yeah in terms of the performance you know looking at the figures of horsepower and torque will be will be quite similar um perhaps slightly slower because of that weight and the less less aerodynamic um freedoms but yeah i think they're still going to be exciting to watch uh, a different challenge to drive uh, that said there's still a lot of un, uh, unknowns from the teams and the people i've spoken to about exactly how the the hybrid kit is going to be uh, influencing um you know the, the performance at certain points on the stage uh, obviously that we know there's been some seeding problems with getting hold of the kit and getting it functioning and I, as far as i'm aware no one's actually done 
tests with it in full operational status but you know obviously these things are going to be ramping up and i'm sure we'll, we'll hear more over the coming coming weeks on it this is absolute rally whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. I've allowed myself to dream a little bit and I've allowed myself to start looking at models, Jack. Um, not those type of models. I mean, models cars before you go any anywhere with this. Um, uh, Jack, I think we're going to see something quite different. And I know it's been debated quite a bit, especially with M Sport, um, about what models are going to be used. You know, there's been there's, there's, there's been talks about you know, kind of, you know, how SUV type vehicles now are, are, are more popular. I think we're going to see something very, very different from M Sport next year. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and I've got no knowledge on this, absolutely zero. This isn't me kind of trying to be a smart ass and say I know something that you don't or whatever. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was something even as revolutionary in, in, in the sense of, you know, hopefully Ford Performance getting more involved, whatever it may be, is almost like the new Mustang. It's, it'll be interesting to see. It was interesting to look at the the testing mule and kind of where everyone was positioned because obviously we've got the the different roll cage positioning and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's kind of you're like trying to second guess how much of the where things are positioned on the car on, on the inside or at least uh, relative to the model of the car and how much of it is relative to the new kind of new rules. So it's it's quite interesting to look at actually. And I think it's you know none of these manufacturers will be doing. The WRC, if it wasn't beneficial to them and they were able to show off what, you know, some of their road car machinery, at least. I think, you know, Trev's spoken about this many times. I don't think any of them use it to actually sell cars necessarily um, on a fundamental basis. But, you know, the the marketing tools and stuff like that they use, obviously, they want to show their, their own cars off, even if it's not directly to sell them. So I think, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, what we get in terms of uh, in terms of the outlook on things. I think that that kind of thing will start to to come out pretty soon i think we're you know we're getting people testing we're getting you know the uh, i think there's been a bit of a slowdown with the the hybrid testing and stuff like that i think there was a there was a bit of a gap where that's be sent back and stuff like that so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out but i think i think models and stuff will start to see that coming out pretty soon uh, right have you allowed yourself to, to to have those thoughts have you started thinking about because i've been looking at the high and die range of, of, of you know we assume the Toyota is going to still be, uh, you know, on a Yaris platform anyway. Um, but I started looking at different cars and I just, I seen the advert the other night for the Mustang and I thought, I wonder if that, and you know, we know Malcolm is a genius with this stuff. You know, what, what a way of, of kind of getting the Americans a bit more involved to use the Mustang as an example. Yeah, it would, it would be nice to see, wouldn't it? Because it's a criticism that's been levelled at the, the World Rally Championship that, that all the cars do look the same bar the livery. I mean, when we moved away from the the previous WRC regulations in 16 to 17, I mean, one of the one of the aims of the FIA was actually to get cars that, that, that looked different. Um, I remember... Uh, Actually, talking to to Michelle Mouton about that exact same thing, she said in whenever it was fifteen, fourteen, around that sort of period, that if you painted all the cars white, they all looked the same. And inherently, when you've got regulations that are the same, we saw a big shift in regulations in uh, in 2017, and and there was a different interpretation to begin with. But 
but things do converge when you've got stable regulations and people copy each other's aero and uh, again if you Yes, you'd be able to differentiate them, but I have noticed comments on social media. Again, if you painted them all white, it, it, some the layman would probably struggle to tell the difference. And so if we see different body styles back in WRC, that, that would be great. So like you said, it would be a great way to really use the new regulations uh, to the team's advantage, particularly like M Sport, who might have a little bit of freedom in that area. Um and, and do something really different because that's what we used to see in WRC, didn't we? You know, that was we traditionally saw um, uh, all different formats of cars, and 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 that made it maybe a bit more visually exciting. Um, and funnily enough, I was watching some some footage of the the Yaris Rally One car, and I couldn't see that um, that that crossbar through the window, or the the side impact bar, in the same place as the as the Ford, which. Um, uh, does you know suggest obviously that uh, we, well we know that we know they're going to mo- probably move away from the Fiesta that they're using now, but it would be interesting to see. And like you said, I think if they can exploit the regulations and do something exciting, that would be good for WRC. Jack, when was the last time you spoke to Michel Mouton? Uh, a little while ago, actually. Yeah. Probably, probably not last year, the year before. Okay. And Seb, when was the last time uh, you spoke to Michel Mouton? Uh, Sunday morning, end of the was end it? of the first, under the first stage. Yeah, <laughs> never spoke to her. Just in case anybody was wondering, I just thought it was nice the way Ryan just dropped that in there. There was also a bit of a name drop moment. I love, I love a name drop moment. Um, so there you go. I'm the only one. Story of my life. Story of my life. Um, Jack, I'm going to bring you back here. I, I, there was a there was a story that, that I think it was Julian um, kind of dropped into commentary uh, or, or fed it through to the commentary team on Sunday, which was. Um, Oik coming back on, on the Sunday, running no spares and running an open face helmet as opposed to uh, a full face helmet because it was lighter. That's bizarre, isn't it? I love that. I love the story, though. Yeah, it's great. I mean, who doesn't love that level of commitment to lightening up the car and to, to finding that last tenth? That's making sure you have your, your, your post-breakfast poo and everything as far as I'm concerned. That's, that's, that's getting every bit of weight out of the car. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Seb, um, was that was that true or was that just Seb being mischievous? Uh, Sorry, uh, I being mischievous uh, rather. About the helmets? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I, I was at the end of that first stage and clocked it as he came to the stop line. So I, I asked him the question and yeah, he said it's lighter. I'm, I mean, it must be, it's talking less than 100 grams, I think, in the grand scheme of things. But it, it's, it's one of those where it could just be if the engineer tells you it's lighter, it could almost be psychological. You think, yeah, right, okay, we'll, we'll do everything. Um, you know, they'll, they didn't take a spare wheel. Okay, they will have trained, taken a jack and maybe not even a wheel gun, potentially just a, a wrench. They'll, they'll go to all sorts of extremes. But it, like I said, the weight probably won't make much of a difference. But if he's feeling better about it, then that can be worth, you know, 20 kilos taken out of the car um, or, you know, an extra 20. Um, so, yeah, they'll try all these little tricks. And obviously it worked, you know, <laughs> won, won the power stage. So well, salv- salvage something from, from a bit of a disaster of a weekend. Yeah, psychologically right just I, I love the story but is it more psychologically on your rivals as opposed to yourself if that makes sense he's gone you know you can imagine everybody if, if, if you were in a, if you were at that level everybody would go so it's not wearing the full you know it's almost like there's the, planting a seed in everybody else's head as opposed to his own 
if yeah, that makes you, sense. You, yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't be surprised with with Ike, would you? I mean, he's uh, you know he, he's he's a bit of a nice man. He's a bit of a Kimi Raikkonen character. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't put it past him to do it just out of badness, just to say this is how far I've gone. Um, and, and like you said, just uh, just uh, try and uh, get in the head of, uh, of his competitors. So, um, I mean, <laughs> I, I'd love to see the data to prove that was actually uh, faster <laughs> over the power stitch to use that helmet. Um, I just so, love the story, though. Like I you said, I, I think I think there's some psychology in it, whether whether it's for Roy or, or for his rivals. But uh, just picking up on on something you were talking about a, a while back, and and it, it it does it it does bug me when people consistently won't give um, stage end interviews. I, I I understand it if you're having a bad rally, if you've got a problem, um, you, you don't want to talk. But you know that we've seen it with certain certain drivers, with with maybe certain journalists, and and even if it's a silly question, it, it is part of your job. I'm not being funny, but it's part of your job. Um, you're there to represent the brand that you that you're driving for you've been paid a lot of money to do one of the best jobs in the world just do your job um it's the same when i see uh, a certain driver in formula one that can't be bothered to answer questions um you know <laughs> it, it, it you don't answer yes i know you answer a lot of questions uh, doing that job but in the greater scheme of things um you are being paid a lot of money to to do a, a fantastic job. Part of it is answering questions, sometimes answering stupid questions. Just do it, smile about it, move on. It's five seconds of your life. Coincidentally, think, um, answered answered more questions at stage ends in rallies than he has done since he's been in Formula One. <laughs> no, I wasn't actually thinking of that particular. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was I was thinking of more one that at least he just doesn't answer. Which, I thought you were thinking of Kimmy. No, no, I was thinking of one a bit closer to well is he closer to home probably not anymore but um just yeah just say it just just say it well we're well, a rally um, podcast it's all a, right. yeah a multiple world champion who who is uh odds on to to win it again well unless Verstappen beats him but i just hamilton just annoys me when he won't answer a straight question you know you get a straight question just give it a straight answer you don't have to go he's off not the from yorkshire ryan not everybody's from yorkshire <laughs> no but but i think sometimes it just you know, and I don't even know if he does it out of badness. He just, he just give an answer to a question. Like I said, it's just an honest question. Give an honest answer. I think um, um, the one thing I will, I will just quickly point out yeah. and say is that obviously that's the one, the beauty of at least rallying, isn't it? Where we do get that instant reaction. Whereas even in Formula One, they've just qualified on pole or whatever. You're, they've had a cool down lap. They've had a chance to sort of think the things through and get out the car. Whereas, you know, you really feel it when you open the car door and it's, flipping hot in there it's dusty and you can see the sweat dripping off them and it's that instant kind of oh so you know i think you can i can appreciate and obviously having been there myself why some drivers are just aren't in the the frame of mind at all and their head's completely elsewhere and, and sometimes i think they do just sort of almost forget if it's not obvious um but but yeah it, it's it's a, a great thing i think from from rallying that we're able to to get that that emotion and that reaction straight away and um it's certainly something i've it's made, made me conscious of you know trying to phrase a question in a certain way rather than just how was it you know and it, it does answer. it does work both ways you're exactly right Seb. because 
and there's no two ways about it and we, we've talked about this and we, we know there's an issue with with sometimes how the questions are asked but uh, like I said sometimes I just think the drivers use that as an excuse and if it's heat of the moment you've got a problem you're stressed about something then then fine and if there's expletives there's language we all understand that but like I said when it when it's two or three stage ends with the same journalist just because it's a silly question yeah. you know, do your best to say something I think the other thing is as well just building off what Seb said They've got like 100 to 200 metres after the stage finishes to get to the stop line and that's being recorded. So it's not even like, you know, when you when you mention like a circuit racer who's got a, a, a lap to gather his thoughts and stuff like that, you know, the, the, the driver and co-driver can't have a, you know, they can't even have a 60 second conversation about what they're going to say and how they're going to... Unless you're in gonna... a Toyota. Unless you're in a Toyota, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> no, from, from when they finish the stage to when they get to the stop line, they've not got, they haven't got time to have a proper conversation about how they're going to um, you know, vocalise what they're feeling, and also it's being recorded anyway, so it might get you know that that conversation might get broadcast. So the, that that doubly adds to it, I think. Wasn't there some wasn't there some software cut that cut in on the Toyota at when so, that happened? So what it is, I I, I was just. <laughs> I always used to get um, a, a pasting on social media from this because, like, oh, you've turned the intercom off. Basically, in, in the Toyota, the the feed, the audio feed to the camera is controlled by the road and stage mode switch on the driver's steering wheel. So as soon as the car goes out of stage mode, boom, it cuts the intercom feed. So I always said, well, it was nothing to do with me. It's always the driver turning it off uh, onto road mode. Do you think it was wired the... that way on purpose, Seb? Or am I just being oh, really... No, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> because, like you say, it, there's often there's some, you know, can be emotions expressed or sensitive information discussed that, um, you know, then other people, you know, everyone watches the all live footage that is then privy to, oh, you know, what were they saying about the, the tyres or, or the dampers or something, you know, that setting we changed. Yeah, I mean, okay, most of, most of the crews now are, are well aware of it if, if your intercom does still go out live. But yeah, I mean, I can perfectly understand why Toyota did put that into their software to, to, to cut it. Bit of genius, a bit of genius. But, uh, but I also think that uh, you know, in, in, in touching on on the the way we consume WRC now is all live. Um, those in the sport, that's how they watch it. That's how the service park watches it. And that again comes brings me back to the same point. That's why we all know that those stage end interviews are are, are important and uh, in in the way that the rally is covered. So if you don't want to talk, fine, you don't talk. If you're swearing and shouting, fine. But if you're going to at least give an interview. Give one that's worth giving. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, boy, I'm really conscious of time because, we, we, as ever, we've gone everywhere. It's we've gone off script, like we've got us. Um, <laughs> uh, we haven't even spoken about Elvin. I, I did mention, of course, at the top. We have got Scott Martin coming up after this section, but I think just just uh, just to do it, just uh, we, we we have to acknowledge um elvin's efforts over the weekend. Um, I'll come to you first, Jack. Obviously, you were watching as well. Um, one of the most complete performances for a while. Yeah, definitely. Quite quite OJ performance, maybe you would describe that as. Um, very consistent. Didn't take any notice of what was going on around him, really, to a certain extent. And, and yeah, just delivered what he knew he needed to do to, to, to get the best result possible. And, you know, he didn't push too hard, didn't... You know, make any uh, make any silly errors while he was trying to uh, you know match a time or something like that. You know, just a very isolated, well-driven performance and, and the kind of one that wins you a rally in the WRC, really. Very much so. Very well, succinctly, succinctly put. Well done, Ryan Champion. Uh, another brilliant performance. Um, uh, you know, it was it was difficult to watch what happened in um, 
in Croatia, but he wasn't going to let that happen again. There was nobody close enough to him to to uh, to even put him under pressure, really, at the end. So again, a, a brilliant performance, and um, you know he's, he's certainly going to take the fight to to Sebastian Auger for the championship once again. Seb, I'll come to you. As I say, we do talk to to to, to Scott about this, but for me, um, the weekend and the performance was summed up on that Sunday morning that opening stage where it was um and you know i'm going to repeat myself here because i'll say this in a second but just just for, for the point of our conversation i was out running and just had the audio feed on and then when uh it got to the stop line i seen this i actually stopped and ended up walking and watching the watching the footage as opposed to just listening to it um what was the feeling for, 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 from you guys at stage m when when elvin practically doubled his lead on 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 a on relatively short stage really yeah, I mean, um, okay, it's it's a brand new stage for everyone that, um, and it was quite a tricky one by all accounts. And there was only one split time quite close to the end of the stage, so we were most of the time we had no idea how it was progressing. And then I got the information through from uh, from the producer that right, he's you know he's, he's eight seconds up, I think it was, and, and ended up being eight point nine. So it was yeah, it was phenomenal. Um, it was a real. It kind of in that one stage, it put to bed any thoughts that Danny might have had of being able to to overhaul him. And I think from that point, he could then control it even more and just just not take quite so many risks. And also, it meant he could go into the power stage, not having to push like crazy for the win. And so, in actual fact, you know, now he's two points behind Ogier because he didn't beat him in the power stage because he didn't have to. So he's got that benefit of second place on the road in Sardinia, where we know that the road sweepings, if anything even worse than Portugal, probably the worst of the year. So, yeah, just a, a consummate performance all around. Um, you know, like, like uh, Jack and, and, and Ryan were saying, it, it controlled, never never kind of stressed and, and just, you know, going about its business and, and getting the job done. Very well done. Um, I'm not. I'm going to give you a second or two to, to think about this. So obviously, we do any other business. Um, I didn't warn you in advance. I, I, I rely on the fact that you're so professional. You would have in any other business anyway. So I'm just going to. I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to come to to Jack Bengian first for your any other business this week, my friend. Yeah, um, Seb quite rightly pointed out a lot of the good performances going on in in our fives a bit further down, and I just wondered when Nikolai Grazan's going to be in the discussion for a WRC seat because he makes mistakes and he's had a lot of crashes over the years, but he won eight or nine stages in Croatia before his power steering went and then he had the turbo issue in, in Portugal as well. So I think he's he's showing to be very, very quick against the likes of Sonnenen, Osberg, Mikkelsen um, and all very big names that if you're performing against them, then you're doing a good job. Uh, admittedly, he does need to show that he's got the consistency. But for me, the pace there is is pretty searing. And, you know, we've seen drivers in the past have crashes on their way up to the WRC and it's not stopped them from getting there. I just wonder at what point Nikolai is going to be kind of coming into that conversation. OK, no, very, very, very valid. Very, very valid. Um, Ryan Champion. Um, I wonder uh, how prickly Andrea Adamo was on Monday morning. <laughs> How many hugs were dished out? Uh, I don't think there'd be too many, to be honest. I mean, uh, you know, they're a team. They're a team that have put themselves under pressure, haven't they? Because uh, yeah, they had the pace. They had fantastic pace, and when you have fantastic pace, you've got to take the results. And yet, yet again, it was it was Toyota taking the big points. And uh, you know, we we saw um, both lead drivers that have now signed again having similar issues. Uh, Sordo was told in no uncertain terms to win on Sunday, and uh, and didn't. Um, 
you know they are a, they are a team under pressure but it's uh, you know just I, I was thinking both about what you said earlier and about that as well you know it's, it's sort of silly season we're starting to think about uh, drives and drivers for next year um, but there's a, there's a few reasons why things might not change maybe as much as you hope I mean you, you would think um, at uh, say Toyota for example you've, you've got somebody of the stature of leaving the team full time so you think when you leave, when you lose a multiple world champion you, you'd need to replace him but as we've already talked about you know you've, you've got uh, Tanak and Nabil have signed again at, uh, at Hyundai um, you've now got a consistent championship front runner fighting with the with the current world champion Auger in Elvin Evans so they've got that ticked off the list they've got the ever-improving Cali Rovenpera, who will be consistently fighting at the front. Have you, have you, said, his na- have you said his name right there? Because I noticed I didn't get the memo about how to pronounce his first name changing. <laughs> that appears to have gone round last week. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Kai now, isn't it? I thought uh, we've all been saying it wrong. I don't know. Yeah. What was that about, though? Telling yeah. Sordo he had to win the rally, like you can't put as, a driver under that amount of pressure like that. As that if, is just as if unacceptable. He as if he wasn't going to try and do that anyway. Exactly, just a totally misjudged piece of media that was completely because yeah. he's just made himself look desperate. He's put way too much pressure on his driver. It was already going to try and win the rally anyway, like you said. You know, he's not going to go out there and well, well, maybe you know, may, maybe Adamo kind of knowing Sordo and knowing the consistency. Do you know of what, Jack? Sorry to jump in. I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate ever so slightly here and look at it from a slightly different angle. The fact that maybe he was telling Danny it's okay to push. You you don't have to think about scoring points um, for the team. Just go out and win. Well, yeah, I was just about to. That's what I was basically just about to say. Maybe he felt that. Sordo's been so consistent over the years and he's been kind of on the lead, if you like, that he needed to be let off it. But for me, that was like, do you want manufacturer points? Do, do you want Danny to, to crash out a second? And, and he, lose he actually said, points? didn't he? He said, he said oh, we've got two out of, out of the rally, so we might have well had Danny, Danny, that's what, that's what That was Danny's interpretation of what Andre had said to him. So I don't think we can say that Andre explicitly said that, but... Yeah, that's basically what that was Sordo's interpretation of it. But that that is not a that's not the way to run a WRC team, in my opinion. No. Go, going for a manufacturer's championship. Well, I'm I'm sure he felt like a man under pressure, you know, for for a team that aren't performing with the resources they've got at the minute. But um, I agree. But if we get to the end of the season in the manufacturer standings and though and, and and that second place that Sordo threw, threw potentially threw away if he'd have had an accident on on the Sunday was the thing that cost them the manufacturer's championship. He'd be under a lot more pressure then. Yeah. Okay. I'll have that. I'll have that. Um, okay. Um, can, I, have you, can I finish my point now? Now, but what I was going to say was, so, so looking at Toyota, you've got, you've got Evans, you've got Robin Pera, um, you need a third driver. Well, hang on a minute. It just happens that Takakatsuta is now doing a brilliant third driver job. You know, we, we've just seen um, four top six finishes from him. Three, three top, three six place finishes in a row and then a fourth all of a sudden he's he's just played himself in as a as a perfect number three driver which i'm sure um japan had loved so when you think you, you're losing a, a multiple world champion that you'd have to replace it looks like to have already got a fantastic lineup for next year um 
Hyundai, we already know that they've got two drivers signed. They've got both Sordo and Breen, who, you know, Sordo's still doing the job. He's, is he going to continue as a part season in the, in the third car as well? We know the Solberg waiting in the wings, but um, it's probably not an awful lot going to change there for next year. Uh, and then as we, we've already covered M Sport, so it just shows how difficult it is for for all those drivers in WRC two. Um, unless you've got budget, unless you've got some money to make things happen, there just isn't any places at the top. Right, I think I've gave you long enough now Seb, to think about any other business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, right, this is a, I'll put mine through with, with a, a media hat on rather than a competitor hat and okay. say um, there need to be more new stages in the WRC. Um, we saw obviously every stage, every rally that we go to has their kind of marquee ones that we always know, you know, Amarante in Portugal on Saturday afternoon is a real challenge and that's where lots of stuff happens. But look at the new stage on Sunday morning where Elvin was able to pull a big chunk of time out because he was quite brave and daring. The stage on Friday evening where Neville had his, his, his accident, that's where all the drama comes from. That's what kind of makes it exciting because with the WC Plus on boards, you know, all the crews know the stage is inside out. You do two passes a recce, you know it backwards. It comes down to tenths of a second, and it's great for the competition in that sense, but there's not quite such a jeopardy about it. And, you know, see, we saw a brand new rally in Croatia where, you know, there was so much going on because there's just so many unknowns. And I think that's what makes it really exciting. Um, so it's fine to go back to, to rallies that we've used in the past, but there needs to be more, um, more new stages reversing just to kind of mix things up a bit and um yeah i think it can we can all benefit from that um as fans of the sport here here right i've been i've been priming myself for my any of the business um before we do that by the way just we need to acknowledge the fact our manning jwrc uh, john armstrong um really really tough look i don't know whether you've been in contact with him right um but uh strong performance was you know was quite literally flying at one point obviously engine fault put him out of the rally but fortunately scored some good points the way jwrc works with regards to you know stage wins so it not all was lost no uh, i mean i was yeah was in contact with him a few messages backwards and forwards and uh, yeah real shame because he his speed uh, you know i think what what he said was he was really pleased with the speed he showed on gravel. Um, you know, he's proved that he can be not only the fastest on tarmac, but also the fastest on gravel. He, he built up a, a nice, comfortable lead, then was unlucky to get a puncture, um, which which put him out of contention then. But the top three were all fighting, so he's, he decided on Saturday just to just to cruise round, really. And just, uh, you know, he was lying in a comfortable fourth. There was a good chance that something would probably happen in front of him, so he was just cruising around to get the points and, and then had an engine failure. So, yeah, uh, bad luck for him, um, but again, showed, uh, showed great pace. Good stuff. Uh, well done, Chris Ingram as well, third in WRC3. We'll catch you up with Chris um, in the next couple of weeks, actually. Um, so my any of the business, um, boys, is advice from three of you. I'm going to take a piece of advice from, from all three of you for this coming weekend. Um, so this coming weekend, uh, as we talked about last week, um, I will be doing the opening round of BRC and the next round of the MN championship in an r5 car possibly one of the biggest r5 entries uh, this country's ever seen and i decide now's a good time to go and try one so um in view of the fact that um jack Bengen, you've been to alton park as a co-driver several times can you give me a nugget of advice for this coming weekend 
there's something extremely wrong on this podcast if Seb Marshall, Ryan Champion and Tony Simpson on it and the most experienced person in a car on this event is Jack Benyon. That Absolutely. Is, I think that's, I think that there's, no, a, there's a podcast within itself on that. That is I'm, just a nightmarish scenario. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call that. Sorry, Jack, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be the, the awful person that's going to go, nah, I, I think I've got more experience of Alton Park. Have you? How many oh. have you done? No, I've only done the one stage, but I did win it. <laughs> with Chris. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. You can't, yeah, I can't really argue with that. I, I definitely, it, uh, all I would say is if it's raining, um, you, yeah, go home, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, the, the rally school is, uh, Black, uh, black ice type situation. It is well slippy. And like Seb says, if it rains, especially at the top, up at the corner that is called Shell Oils when it's running the right direction on the circuit, but it's usually run backwards. That's, the far, that's, on that's the, over in the far corner, isn't it? If, if yeah. you're in the paddock, it's over up, in the... Yeah. Up there, up there is almost icy when it's wet as well. So if it rains up there, be, be, a, bit, be a bit careful on the first pass through there. But yeah, just enjoy it. It's an it's a unbelievable event. Definitely one of the best circuit rallies I've done. And... Uh, one of the one of the circuit rallies done that I've done with not with Ryan Champion, which is uh, which is never a plus. But I'm sure Ryan would like to have a blast around there. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. Um, so so Seb, um, your piece of advice for me making that jump uh, into an R5 car at Alton? Um, honestly, Tony, I think just enjoy it. I mean, that's that's the thing that I've come to realise in the last last few years is just you know you can put so much pressure on yourself and okay i know you're not going out for a result or anything as such it's just aren't i are we having a sweepstake for where tony's gonna finish <laughs> um yeah. no i mean jo- joking aside look i think it, that's it, it's it's a place where you know you have got to be mindful of uh of the conditions and stuff but ah, just yeah enjoy it just relax try not to you know, get het up about stuff, you know, or made a mistake here or that's just, you know, have fun, basically. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's why we do it. I, uh, I like that. I like that's that. A, that's a bit, a bit of a rubbish answer, I know, but it's kind of, yeah, anyway, I'm sure, you'll, I'm sure you will. I'll, I'll go to Ryan Champion now where he's going to absolutely take apart my driving in one fell swoop. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not at all. And I was going to, I was going to support exactly what Seb said. The whole point of doing this sport is to, is to enjoy it. Uh, you're going out there in a, in a fantastic car. Um, so have fun, do some big skids and we only expect uh, top 10 stage times by the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think on that bombshell, I don't think there's anywhere to go. So uh, on that note, Seb, thanks for joining us this week, my friend. It was lovely to have you on again. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. There you, there you go. Uh, Ryan and Jack, you'll be back with us next week, no doubt. And we're going to go to a little break and we'll be back with Scott Martin. Hi everyone, this is John Desborough, commentator and presenter on the World Rally Championship. I'm hoping you've seen my debut novel, Breaking Point. If you haven't, check it out on eBay. It's a rollercoaster ride of deceit and blackmail from a golden age of the WRC. And like a good rally, it starts fast and gets faster. Breaking Point, by me, John Desborough, on eBay, now for $7.99. Welcome back to the final section of Absolute Rally. Obviously we had... We had one co-driver who was at the event at the beginning of the show, unfortunately only doing stage end with Seb Marshall, but we've got one who, who was actually there, and he wasn't only just there, he only went and won it as well. Scott Martin, welcome back to Absolute Rally. How's it going? Are you well? <laughs> we're, mate, we're good, but we're probably not quite as good as you right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's 
but a great feeling, um, a really good event, and yeah, feel feel good right now. Uh, all feels good. And 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 so you should. And and as ever, I, I never do stuff chronologically anyway. But I went out on Sunday morning. Um, it's meant to be for a run. But be, and I normally have like all live on as like radio. Obviously, you don't have the radio anymore. But I, dis- I actually stopped and started walking and watching it as opposed to running. So I watched your first time on Sunday morning in the middle of nowhere, and I was like gobsmacked when I seen the difference in time. Um, and I know we're kind of going ask about face here, mate. But was that always a plan? Was that a stage which you guys had marked in your notes where you went right? This this is going to be a game changer stage. This is where we're going to really, really throw down the gauntlet. Or was it just one of those moments where you and Elvin just felt good in the morning? Um, no, I don't, like there was nothing during the recce or anything like that that uh, we did anything differently or spoke about differently. Um, it was one of the one of the new stages. There was two two in the rally, one on Friday that we did once, um, and one on Sunday. And, and actually, we went well on the on the Friday stage as well until we got caught up in that bit of dust. But we were on the splits, like joint passes with Seb. But I think just ahead of him by a few tenths up until that last uh, that last section. Um, obviously, we got our time back, and that was all sorted. So I think on the new stages, you know, Elvin had, you know, he's done a bit of research. You know, we, we get uh, videos from the organisers, like everybody does. Um, so I, I think all the drivers would be this, doing the same. You know, because a lot of the event was the same. Uh, as previous years, as 2019 mainly, um, and yeah, but then two new stages. Obviously, you want to you put a bit of work in there and try and learn as much as you can. But I think let's say that you know Croatia was still a little bit, you know, in the back of our minds, missing out just by a small fraction, and um, we had kind of given away a few seconds on the Saturday night to Danny in the in the street stage. So I think Sunday morning, um, you know, Elvin was really fired up uh, and wasn't wanting to let, you know, anything come between him and, and winning the event. You know, when you have a 10-second lead, um, it's, it's not much, you know. If you just take a foot off the gas a little bit, you can end up being on the back, back foot and it's not a nice uh, way to be. So I think he knew himself that he really had to you know, start the day and, and be the quicker of the two, uh, just to to really throw the pressure on the other side rather than the other way around. So, um, and like during the stage, it was such a nice feeling. You know, I, I couldn't have told you that it was that quick compared to the rest of the guys, but let's say it felt like we kind of hit every apex and took everything out of the road that we could have done. Um, but again, until you actually get to that finish board and, and see the times, you don't know how good a run uh, the other guys have had. So, but yeah, it, it was nice, nice to see that time on the board and, and, and just give ourselves a bit of a breathing space and, and know that we would kind of started the day how we wanted. You know, as, as I said, genuinely, I, I was listening to it. I stopped and ended up watching it all. Then I, the run stopped. I ended up watching it all because it was just like one of those wow moments. But yeah, I remember where I was when when you guys doubled your lead effectively in the rally. But I, I guess just going back early on, you know, that Danny comes in as a, as a wild card, and you know, lazily most people kind of talk about tarmac with Danny. But Danny can go on any surface, I think. 
um, he's just been around you know the experience he's got I think he's been there is it 14 times or something like that I think somebody said to me um, Danny's been there and Oi was on it did it feel like the the, the, the high end eyes were strong there did, did it feel like they were coming back you know because obviously you guys have been so dominant I suppose in Croatia did it feel like you know that the high end eyes were, were, were quite dominant or was it purely in your mind that it was just road position early on in the event yeah, so Tanak was behind us on the road, so I mean he was always going to be strong here. Um, I would have tipped him as the favourite, you know, going into the event. Um, but maybe let's say the surprise to me was with Neville. You know, he was really, really strong, um, and he was ahead of us in the road, so didn't have as good a road position as we did. So yeah, the high end I started strong. Um, also, we knew that the event was going to be about managed tyres. It was going to be about uh, durability, reliability. So. There wasn't really uh, any panic. Um, you know, it's a long champ, it's a long season, and, and the road position is going to play a part of this championship right until the end. So uh, it's not like we need to panic uh, now about it. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the Hyundai's hit some trouble um, through maybe you know pushing the limits um, uh, on a bit of bad luck maybe in, in Tanak's case, but. Uh, who knows? I mean, that's that's a huge part of the game, and um, we we just knew that we had to keep the performance uh, as best we could, and, um, and and yeah, and you know, that's uh, that's the the way it kind of turned out in the end. But I think, like, I think we we're well aware within within the team that we have some work to do, and um, I think a lot of it's to do with adapting to the the new tyre. So, so yeah, that's, that's what gonna, we'll be doing tomorrow. I, I was just going to ask you about that because, you know, obviously the tie nominations were done a little bit in advance and, you know, you, you went in obviously probably upside down almost with regards to softs and hards. Um, did, it, did it add uh, a whole new dimension for you guys? Because obviously everybody's been so relaxed, I suppose, over the last few years on, on, on the Michelin tyre. Um, you know, coming into the unknown, first gravel events, obviously, uh, I think it's fair to say, as I say, an upside down, you know, you would have more softs if you would have chosen than hards. Did that, did, did, is that something which, um, which you guys felt confident about the tyre strategy and managing tyres? Yeah, I mean, like, just going back to when you said in, like, you know, that from the outside it maybe looks that we've dominated in certain rallies, but it's not just been about the speed it's about uh, like good decisions um, like we made some very good tyre decisions in Croatia so I think I think uh, the Hyundai is still fast on tarmac it's just they made some bad decisions so and we're on the wrong tyre which made it look like you know that it was you know the Toyota that was fast um, you know for sure for sure both are very close um, but we were making some better decisions when it came to tyres. So I think uh, tyre-wise for Croatia, we we were really well prepared, and and uh, and that's that's what made the difference um, when it came to you know getting the one-two like we did. Uh, again in Monte, one uh, one-two there, uh, we were really strong, but it did come down I think to the tyre choices and uh, and all the preparation that goes into to being able to make those good decisions. So I, I think maybe um, in uh, in Portugal there with the decisions were all good. Uh, Hyundai made the same decisions. I think we're always pretty much having the same tyre package. Uh, 
albeit you can fit hards and softs in different places on the car and, and for different stages on the loop, so it could have been some small differences there, but I think I think maybe we just didn't have as much testing um, with the tyre and maybe just didn't have the car set up perfectly for each different tyre, if you know what I mean. I, I think we all, all saw how the tyre has some issues and uh, there's such a big difference between the soft and hard, bigger than maybe what we've had before. So it's it's almost like we uh, need to do a bit more work in, in this area. I mean, we only had one day, uh, like a one day test with the gravel tire. So it's hard to hard to do everything in a day when there's when there's such a big difference um, with the tire. So let's say that you know there's there's definitely work to be done uh, when it comes to the gravel tyre and, and getting the setups right. It's interesting you talk about decisions and right choices and stuff like that and throughout all the years uh, obviously even before you were sat with Elvin and you know I remember Elvin obviously starting out as well I, I wonder whether the fact that he has come from that front wheel drive kind of you know you've got to kind of think about your tyres and, and think about your decisions and think about ruts and things like that you know you've you sat with quite a few drivers do you think there's definitely elements of that 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 Elvin's gained from over the years you know that experience of having to protect cars and having to protect tyres do you think that's starting to come through now in, 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 a, in a strange kind of way yeah I mean everybody I mean the more experience you can get the better you are I think so um yeah, Elvin for sure will have learned a lot even through the DMAC days, you know, when they were testing and developing tyres at like quite a, you know, a high rate, you know, they were trying to, you know, compete against, you know, the one of the best or leading tyre manufacturers in the world, you know, so, you know, to try and do that and uh, and develop that tyre um, uh, with DMAC, you know, I'm sure he learned a lot about what, what you need, um, you know, for speed and for puncture resistance and durability and all the rest of it. So, for sure, Elvin will feed off that experience and, and that knowledge that he's uh, learned, you know, throughout his, his career. Um, but I think you rely a lot on the team, you know, because, like I said, we only had one day's test and you've got a, a lot to fit in with car setup and everything, and then, uh, you know, and then there's, there's the tyres as well. So, uh, but the team, the team's job is to take, you know, the four days of testing that they have with all the drivers, um, and put together the data uh, and try and, you know, uh, then bring it all to the to the drivers to say, right, this is what we learned over the four days. So it's not just our day, but it's the it's uh, everything that they they you know they they type in all these you know all these stats into the computer and it'll fire out some some kind of um, you know, answer <laughs> when it comes to making when when it comes to making tire decisions. So yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot that goes into it uh, that you don't really see, um, and uh, and yeah, and we've got a lot more work to do. To be honest, um, our our time on this tire uh, on the gravel has been very short. So you know, and like temperatures and weather is such a crucial part. You know, you could go and test somewhere. And, and get you know 15 degrees difference, or you could get rain and it's dry on the rally, or vice versa. You know, it's really hard to to get it all um, all in such a like in a one day test. It's almost impossible to get it 
to get all the information gathered up. Um, so, yeah, so we're hoping the next few gravel tests that we have, we'll be able to, you know, build on that information we have. So then when it comes to, you know, the, the remaining gravel rallies of the year, we'll be a lot better prepared and, and let's, uh, you know, um, and we hope to uh, be able to have, you know, the car car a bit more fine-tuned to these, these different tyres we have now. Okay. Good stuff, good stuff. Can I ask about, obviously, you know, um, the, the, the running first on the road was, was something which Seb had to battle with. You you know, you weren't a million miles behind them, it's fair to say, when it comes to running order. Just from, from the point of view, was it as tough as what you guys thought it was going to be going into the rally? Because, you know, we debated a little bit on last week's podcast whether, you know, a little bit of moisture in the air would have made a bit of a difference. You know, obviously, there were certain sections of the stages that were very, very wet on some of the images that we've seen. Um, what was, you know, was it as bad as what, what perhaps you know you suspected it was going to be or was it actually better running you know a bit better running at the sharper end I think um, with, with the rain we had it was definitely better than uh, what you could expect um, that's that's without doubt it's a bit of a you know a given that if you get rain it generally helps helps the guy who's first on the road or the, the guys that are further up the road so so that definitely um, that definitely helped a lot um, so there wasn't as much cleaning as you'd normally find in a, in a gravel rally. So that, that for sure helped us out a little bit. But you always get a, you know a little bit of an advantage the further back you are. So um, so yeah, that that was a, a bit of a bonus uh, to have this uh, damp, humid weather. But it also made tire decisions and tire management you know was a huge part then. It's, it's it's an interesting time now as well for you guys. Obviously, there's, there is no rest, is there now? Because you know, I, I, you know, I jokingly said to you, you know, I, I hope you you know you've enjoyed the victory and everything else, but you, you, you're straight back to work. Yeah, yeah, I flew out Sunday night, and then um, I'm on my way now, driving uh, in Spain to to a test that we have tomorrow, a uh, gravel test, and then I'll be back back home Thursday and then fly on uh, to Sardinia on Sunday so uh, so yeah it's all go um, and then we'll have a test between Sardinia and Kenya but it won't be like a Kenya test it'll be an Estonia test so quite often you're, you're testing for uh, the rally which is in you know two events time so before before the next event so yeah it's it's, it's busy and it's always the same you know this first half of the year um, there's always always a lot of testing. Uh, the, the events come thick and fast, uh, but yeah, it's it's nothing new. It's it's part of the part of the game, and um, yeah, we enjoy it. You know, it's that's where all the hard work goes in, and then you know, if it all comes together, then that's where the good results come from. So so yeah, but the, towards the second half of the year is when the testing slows up a little bit. Um, and uh, you start to things start to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more um, less time consuming, let's say. But certainly the first half of the year is always always really busy. Well, you're going to have a new car as well to start testing, so be careful what you wish for, mate. <laughs> you might you yeah. might end up going straight into the development of the next car as well. So uh, that that little downtime you may not get. Yeah, exactly. That's that's also very true, um, and for sure. Um, that, that'll definitely uh, definitely be something to bear in mind. Uh, 
this should let's be see, let's see what happens uh, contract wise uh, <laughs> they'll need to be pen to paper before they let us uh, step inside that car I'm sure so Okay. We'll, uh, we'll think, see what happens over the next few months. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It's all sorted for you. But if I can just ask one last thing before I, before I let you go and you stop off at the services and have a wee and get a coffee because it's a long drive you're on. <laughs> um, obviously, we know what happened last year and we know how last year ended. And again, it almost seems like a lazy question. And but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, are you more prepared? Do you feel more prepared? Does it, do, do, you know, I'm guessing last year it was such a, it wasn't a surprise as such, but to be at such the sharp end, I'm, I'm, I'm not for a moment thinking, you know, there was imposter syndrome from you guys being there, but does it feel like you belong now? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, I just think the, every, every every rally that we're doing and the, the strong results we're getting uh, just makes makes us uh, grow in confidence and it, it just makes everybody within the team get behind you and you know it just the momentum builds and builds and builds. So we're in a really good place. Um, I think last year, um, like Sweden, was obviously my first victory and we won again in Turkey and. We, you know, we, we were leading the championship for quite a lot of the year and we're running first on the road. And that was all quite, you know, quite new experiences for, for us both, you know, I think. And, you know, and we were learning on the job and, and learning under pressure. So, and, and, and learning under some, you know, as soon as you start getting these results and putting yourself in these positions, expect, expectation grows. So, um, yeah, I think... Um, it was uh, it was a really steep learning curve. We were enjoying it, and we weren't letting the pressure get to us at all. And we were just trying to concentrate on you know rally by rally, stage by stage. And I think we were doing that really well. Um, we weren't letting anything from outside affect us. Um, and and what happened? What happened? You know, I mean, and that's one of the the biggest things I can take away from it. That it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't you know out of our hands. We were pushing we had to finish second in the rally minimum because uh, you know if Seb, Seb would win the rally that was it you know we had to do at least that so it wasn't like we could you know do a Sunday drive and finish top five or whatever we really had to have a strong rally so uh, that's that's part of it you know it's part of motorsport and um, we were we were glad to and really enjoyed fighting with, with Seb uh, until the, the very last rally and and then we got caught out on a, on a really tricky place and, and that's just the way it goes so I think this year again we've started really strongly we've had two seconds uh, and a fourth in Arctic and we've won in Portugal so you know the momentum's great the feeling's good within the team and and uh, you know we, we believe we can go to every rally and and be up there fighting um, but like we touched on before road position on every rally is key sometimes you'll get it Good and sometimes you'll you'll really have to fight hard to, to stay in the top three. Um, but Seb's a bit of a master of getting points when he you know when it looks like he's not going to get anything. You know, on Friday, even though we looked at the timesheet and I think he'd only dropped 22 seconds in the whole day. So to run first on the road in Portugal and only be 22 seconds behind, I was looking, thinking he's going to come strong now. Um, 
but again, even even like he was not. We had a really good road position compared to him. He wasn't first on the road Saturday, but still, you know, there's still some cleaning, and um, it just showed them that you know we were setting some strong pace with Tanak behind us um, and Danny and. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and Seb, Seb was, you know, even having a bit of a disadvantage with his road position, being middle of the pack, let's say. So, but then, like, he finishes the rally third, and you know, that's that's why he's champion so many times is because even on a bad weekend or when he's run first on the road, he can he can get a podium, um, and that's what we need to do. And, and Elvin's been really strong of late, and and he knows. I think he knows and understands that that's what we need to do. Uh, whenever things are maybe not going quite right, you have to push 110% everywhere because at the end of the day, you could, you know, a few points here and there can make all the difference. Absolutely. Listen, mate, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Um, as ever as it always is but it always feels a little bit special that we can talk when you've just celebrated another victory so massive congratulations mate uh, as I say I'm going to let you get on with your day and I do thank you for your time and uh, hopefully we, we can talk again really really soon because we tend to talk after you've won so maybe we need to start talking about every three weeks that'd be good wouldn't it yeah, no, that's not good. <laughs> Scott Martin, thanks so much for joining us at Absolute Rally. Folks, that has been Absolute Rally for this week. We'll be back same time, same place, in your podcast hall next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.